maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Your name is power, your name is healing. 
someone gives their life to the Lord, all of heaven rejoices. And it makes me wonder if they're rejoicing over just your victory or the victory that you're gonna bring forth from sowing seed to his people. So they are seeing something that is going to be passed down from generation to generation. The Lord says that our prayers are answered further down than we even know. And so when they say there's an army rising up, it's not only us, but the army that we are gonna be a part of training. And how glorious is that, that we get to be a part of that. And that heaven joins in with our worship, says the heaven come down we are told to pray that way so are you ready to be part of that army I feel like there's someone here who hasn't given their heart to the Lord yet and he is saying he will break those chains for you just come and all heaven will rejoice with you today we have baptisms today amen so just come and be part of that that win we are going to win the enemy has been defeated God has conquered the grave there is nothing that our God can't do and so we're going to sing that again and as we sing there's an army rising up remember you're part of that army it's not only now but the things you're doing are going to go forth into the future that we have a God that we get to team up with and he calls you his champion amen because we have victory in his holy name There's an army Yeah. 
wonder, no matter what desert we're going through, his well will never run dry. That is something to hold on to. Well, we're so glad to have you here. If you would just go around and greet some of your family of faith this morning, kiddos, I will meet you at that back door, but don't go down without me. All right. I think I'm getting upstage right now. Well, live streamers, good to have you this morning. If you're watching on uh, Facebook or YouTube, wherever you're watching, it's good to have you. And, uh, of course, we're glad for everybody here in the house this morning. Waiting for everybody to drop their kids off in kids' church and make their way back up here. But it's good to have you this morning. Tithe and offering, if you have something to give, you can prepare that. Offering envelopes are in the uh, seats in front of you. Or if not, you can wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out. But it's good to see everybody this morning. We're always blessed to be able to come to the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let, me, let me pray over your tithe and offerings so if you have something to give, you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you uh, for an opportunity to come to the house today and be with you. And as we give today, Lord, we just it's another step, another way of, of dedicating our life to you and being dependent upon you. And I pray that that is 
the life that we live, a dependency upon you and into all the things that you are. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have something, bring it down. And I got some announcements for you. Uh, youth Hangout. There's an extra youth hangout this month, and that is this Wednesday night. So uh, if you have questions about that, see Josh. Uh, we'll still have our fourth Wednesday night of the month youth hangout, too. So that's in two weeks, obviously, after this Wednesday. And if you have any questions about PUMP, the, the youth summer camp at the end of July, also see Josh. He knows all the answers. Uh, but if you're wondering, uh, sign up and information. There is a, a poster on that back wall. There's a QR code. If you know how to use those, pop that in your phone, and it has all the information about the youth camp. Uh, so that's information for that. Um, at the end of this month, we have coming very quickly our vacation Bible school. So we're looking forward to that. It's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, June 26 to 28. So a couple things about that is 6 to 8 p.m. each night. We do need volunteers to help us. And, and uh, if you volunteered last year, love to have you help us again. But if you're interested in volunteering, uh, there's a sign up at the back for that. So we need uh, some names put on that. But one thing to go along with it, a week from tomorrow, the 13th, at 7 o'clock, I'd like for some of us to gather together, and we just want to flyer around in this neighborhood, just take maybe an hour and put flyers in the doors or if people out in their yards, give them a flyer. Just invite, uh, if they know some kids or they have kids in that household, invite them out to the VBS. So not tomorrow, but the next Monday, the 13th at 7 p.m., we'll gather here and just spend an hour and just hit right around this neighborhood and, and, and fly around, okay? Uh, so if you could help us out, I'd appreciate that. But also, uh, with the VBS, if, if you want to help out for the VBS, please sign up at the back, and uh, we're looking forward to a good time. Uh, Monday night church, our church-wide prayer that's usually every Monday, we're, we're off for the months of June and July. Schedules, lots of stuff happening. Uh, so not that we stop praying, but... Here, we're just going to take a break, and we'll be back the first Monday in August resuming church-wide prayers. So if you show up and want to pray, I don't care, but we will not be officially be here uh, hosting church-wide prayer. Uh, for your calendars, a couple things in July. Throw these on your calendar. Start thinking about them. July the 10th, right after church, we have... Uh, uh, church picnic over at the Millers, and Millers are massively busy, but they uh, gave us a date that we could have a picnic over there, just like we did our Christmas party over there, July the 10th, right after church at the Millers. It's a carry-in picnic over there. Then Saturday, July the 16th, uh, we announced the women's uh, coffee and crafts, but that date got moved. Some things came up, so but that is July the 16th now at 10 a.m. There's a new sign-up sheet at the back for that. We changed the date on it since last Sunday, so. Is it the 16th or is it the 17th? Whatever that Saturday is, I think it's the 16th. Why don't you look and correct me if I'm wrong, please? We're good. We're good. Anyways, okay, so those, all those signups are at the back, and let me see, I think... Oh, uh, Tom brought this in this morning. Uh, there is a uh, art and silent auction uh, this Thursday at the Champaign Arts Council uh, from 6 to 8. The proceeds benefit uh, um, a playground, phase two of a playground. Uh, I guess it's local here. So if you're interested in that, see Tom or there are flyers pinned to the back uh, wall back there. So you can take one of those and check that out. Just uh, uh, participate in our community. Amen. All right, that's it. So if you got your Bibles, you can get that out. I think I got all the announcements in. So, um, by the way, today is Pentecost Sunday, if you pay attention to uh, the church calendar, 50 days or roughly after Easter. 
um, commemorating Acts chapter 2 and the infilling of the Holy Spirit and all the things that that meant. Uh, we, I was going to share about that Wednesday night. I did not. I will this Wednesday. But, but to challenge, we've been in a series called The Ways That Keep Us on the Way. One of the ways that we stay on the way is we learn how to keep in step with the Spirit. The, the experience of God is found in the experience and the activity of the Holy Spirit. In our experience in working and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to keep in step with him is one of the ways that we make a lifelong journey of discipleship. And that's what we are after, faithfulness. Amen. I'm not interested in sprinting the Christian life. I'm interested in the long-distance run of the Christian life. That's what we are called to do. That at the end of our life, that we are in faith, that we are in a way of interaction and living the Christian life that brings the reward of eternal life that is to come. So we're going to talk about um, Pentecost on Wednesday night, but, but today is that on the calendar, the commemoration of that. So if you, if you want to, if you're going to be here Wednesday, I, I, I encourage you to jump in and read Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, then, then spend some time in the book of Acts, because, you know, we're still living in the book of Acts, you know? We're still in the church age that was started at, the, at Pentecost. That has not stopped. We are in the church age until the return of Jesus. Therefore, the working of the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the Spirit, how we live in this world, does not change from what we see identified and set forth and witnessed by the Scriptures. Anyways, we'll talk about that a little bit Wednesday. So John chapter 15, ways that keep us on the way. We, we spent a week talking about obedience, then the next week, dependence, uh, the week after that, humility. Uh, last week in our One Big Family Sunday, we talked about perseverance. I had the kids help me out that day. That was fun. Um, John chapter 15. Uh, let's see where I want to jump in. Um, verse number 8. John 15, 8. This is the end of Jesus and, and this wonderful discourse about the vine and the branches, and, and he starts in the beginning of that saying, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So verse number eight, by this my father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to me by disciples. Now, that, that's a whole message right there by itself. That although we are in this journey of the Christian life as being disciples of Jesus, we are not perfected, but we're in the process of becoming like him. I, I wish for every single one of you, we had at the altar here an easy button. I wish. You ever see the commercial with a big red easy button? That y'all come down here and I say easy button and make you perfect. And, and, we, and then we wouldn't have to have church anymore because you're already equipped and we just would need to come together. But that's not the case. There is no easy button that you hit this thing, now we're perfect. We are in the journey of the process of living the Christian life, our new creation being lived out, right? But notice it does say there that one of the ways that God is glorified is, is the fact that as believers, as followers, as disciples, as those on the way, we bear much fruit. And in that, we prove to be his disciples. In other words, there are things that are coming forth from your life that identify you as somebody who believes and follows Jesus. 
Amen. Now, you're not saved because of that. You're not saved by your works. It's not getting legalistic about it. But because you are saved and because you are actively following him, things will come forth from your life that show that you follow him, that you're his disciple, that there is change. So I got saved or I gave my life to Jesus when I was 17 years old, two weeks after I graduated high school. From 17 to my age now, there has been change. I am not perfect yet, but there is, there is fruit that is growing from my life that's evidence of following Jesus for several years. Right? That should be the case with all of us. Not, not that we've been perfected, but life is changing because we are actively allowing God to work in us as we follow him. There's something going on. I'm being made into something. I don't just follow him. I'm being made into something. Right? There's evidence. So that is one way that God is glorified. Remember when Jesus was talking about uh, being a light to him, the light of the world, a city on a hill for everybody to see. You don't light a lamp and, and put, put it under a bowl or a bushel, but, but given for everybody in the house. Now watch what he said. That they may see your good what? your works, your deeds, and then praise, in some translations, glorify your Father in heaven. One of the ways that God is glorified is by your life and how you live and the evidence of the fact that you are a disciple of him. So in other words, if somebody, this isn't my message, but I'm just off on a tangent right here. If somebody was to watch your life and follow you, how you talk, how you interact with people, how you go about the business of your day, would they be able to watch you and see an example of God in flesh or Jesus in flesh, in other words, the church in action? Would they watch your life and identify you as somebody who follows Jesus? They may not be able to identify verbally that way, but, but they would they would, there's something going on here that's a bit different than the rest of what's going on here. Something's happening here. Something's different. They don't talk the same way. They don't respond the same way. They don't do all the same things. Something's going on here. Would they say that? Would, you, would, they, would they see an example of Jesus in this world as they watched your life? that there's something coming forth from your life that identifies you with him. Are you a child of God? Yes. Do you identify yourself that way in how you live? Or, or do you live like a child of, I'm sorry to say, but, but of the devil, but then claim yourself as a child of God? The fruit of your life. You see, see, the tree produces fruit after its kind. You'll know them by their so one of the ways God is glorified is because fruit is growing from our life that shows we are disciples. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Again, Jesus talking here. Abide in my love. 
He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So how do we abide in the love of Jesus? We follow him and keep the commands of what he has called us to do. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Other translations, your joy may be complete. I want to talk to you today about joy. One of the ways that keeps us on the way is that we become people of joy. Joy is a hallmark of the Christian life. See, the joy of Jesus, the joy of the Christian life, can be made full in us if we abide in him by keeping his commands. In other words, following him, staying on the way. Joy, definition, if you want to put a definition about this, Joy is sort of an emotion, it's kind of a feeling that is expressed by having what one desires. You hear that? So what do you have that would bring an expression of joy in your life because you have something that you desire? Well, that is him. That's Jesus. That's relationship. That's life with him. See, abiding in him, in his love, will produce joy in us that is full, it's complete, and I would say overflowing. Now, joy, by the way, takes renewing of your mind. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit working through you. But joy is a hallmark or a mark of the Christian life that I think often is lacked in the church. That we are people of joy. Now listen, that we are people of joy who take joy in following him. There's an expression of, I have found what I truly need, and therefore joy is coming from my life. See, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 15. Let's jump there for a second. I got a handful of scriptures we'll, we'll go through this morning before we're finished. We, we do have a couple of baptisms at the end of church. By the way, I forgot to mention that. So hopefully as a family of faith, we stay for that when I'm done. But Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 21 says, Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. Folly is a joy. People chase all sorts of things in life that they think will bring them joy only to find they were a dead end at some point. We try to replace the joy of life that comes in abiding in Jesus with all sorts of other stuff only to find that they're a shadow of it, that they're not the fullness of it, that, that it's not complete or as a matter of fact it was deception that we chase things that we think will bring joy, only to find ourselves falling short of it. That's not it. Now I'm going to chase after this. Well, eventually that's not it. I'm going to chase after this. We think all sorts of money is going to bring us joy, and we find out, well, that's not the case. We think if I have this kind of relationship with this person, that will bring the fulfillment of all joy. We find out that's not the case. We think success, if I just achieve things, if I just... Uh, accomplish all the things I want to accomplish in my life. And we, well, that didn't bring the joy that really 
fills me. We can find joy in certain things, but the true fulfillment of the fullness of joy can only come in abiding in Jesus. Matthew chapter 13. A short parable of, of Jesus. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. It's a parable of, of the hidden treasure in the field. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. See that? The kingdom of heaven is something <clears throat> that you discover. Now, now, God has put it to you. God has always taken the first steps towards you. But somehow, somewhere, you discover this idea of the kingdom of God, of Jesus, of salvation, all the things that means. And there's nothing more symbolic of the Christian life than selling all that you have in order to have it. Because if you want true life, you got to lose your life, right? True life only comes because you give up your life in order to have the life that he has for you. But notice the response of what it means to give up everything. Joy. That the kingdom of God is really truly a treasure. That when you discover it and you find it, however it works, if, if, if Jesus crashed into your life or there was some long courtship, to, well, whatever happened in your specific case, that there is the discovering of the worth of this treasure. And when you give up your life to have it, you discover the worth of this treasure in such a way that you don't give up your life begrudgingly because you have to, because it's just the way it works. But there is a joy in the kingdom because you found the value of the kingdom. Amen. So I watch a, I watch a, a show on the History Channel that my wife hates. It's a, it's a show about discovering treasure called The Curse of Oak Island. Have you ever seen this show? Okay, it's a good show, isn't it? All right, she hates it. Because after 10 or so seasons, however long, she says they're never going to find anything. But I watch every Tuesday. Because they keep finding clues. It's like a coin. Anybody can have a coin. I don't need any comments from the audience this morning, all right? But they're constantly searching for this treasure that's been there since the 1700s or earlier, right? And it's this big treasure. Could be, okay, I won't get into it. Anyway, they're constantly finding clues. They're discovering that keeps them on the trail of this treasure. There's something about this treasure that keeps luring them there, and they will find it. Anyway, so, um, but they work at it. They're, they're pouring all sorts of money into this thing. I can't imagine the amount of money they spend chasing this thing. The point is, there's something about a treasure that captures your curiosity and your imagination. You're willing to go to great lengths to find it, right? You don't have to look for this treasure. The kingdom has been given to you. 
but don't let the free giving of the kingdom lessen its value to you. That you see the incredible worth of what God is doing in you and what he's giving you as a gift, that you receive it and live in it with joy. Amen. So here, here's some things about joy that I, I want you to catch this morning. Here's the first one. We can have joy because we've been given a new way. Again, the value of the kingdom. And what you have to do in the value of the kingdom, you have to allow it to contrast the old way, which is the way of destruction. Now, I, we got to get a perspective here. So we talk about the narrow road. And Jesus actually said the narrow road can be hard. But for narrow is the gate, narrow is the road that leads the way to, to life, but wide is the gate, and wide is the road that leads to destruction. Sometimes we think the narrow road is work. But listen, we receive the narrow road with joy because the other road is destruction. Never lose sight of that. When we talk about running a race with perseverance, the race marked out for us, we think, oh, man, i got to run with perseverance. And sometimes running long, it gets a little hard, but i got to keep at it. I don't give up. I, I don't quit in the in, in face of, of obstructions or things that get in my way. I keep going. We think about it being hard, but it is the way of joy because the other way is destruction. Don't ever forget that. You must always see what's in front of you that God is giving you new life abundant life, true life that's found in this long journey of following him because the opposite is damnation and destruction. And when I keep that perspective, it gives me joy that I've been, I'm on this way. Even when the narrow road gets hard, I count it joy because my former way of life is the way of death. And I think sometimes we lose that perspective. Because sometimes it's not easy to live the Christian life. Sometimes we look at what's happening in the world and it seems like it's, it's, just, it's just falling apart. It's going down faster and faster. and all. But the narrow road that you've been put on because of salvation is the way of true and abundant life. Therefore, it's the way of joy. Amen. Which is, by the way, why when we gather as a church, when we talk about our, our praise and our worship, that's why I use the word celebration. When we have a body of believers come together and we celebrate God, it comes from a joy in our life because of new life and true life and abundant life that he is giving us. Why wouldn't we celebrate? You, you think about the contrast from your old life to the life in Jesus, and there should be a contrast. Again, what we talked about earlier, the fruit coming forth of, of life with him. There should be a contrast in some ways. I look at that life that I was, and, and if I had not given my life to Jesus at 17, 
where I would and what I would be like at this age, I can't help but go, oh my goodness, thanks for saving me. I have joy because of life I have now. You see what I mean? That kind of joy you can't keep to yourself. You can't bottle that thing up. It's like, it's like throwing a menthos and a Pepsi and you shake it up and pop it. It's, it's going to come out, right? And it shows up in celebration of worship together. That's one way it does. That's why our, our, our praise and our worship should be celebratory because of life. And we're worshiping this wonderful God and creator who's giving us new life. Amen. So I have joy because I see the contrast of life in him versus life of what would be without him. Here's, here's the next one. This, this is one I think people uh, struggle with a little bit. Psalm chapter 94. In verse number 19. says, when the cares of my heart are many, another translation, NIV says, when, when anxiety was great within me, how may I understand that phrase? Anxiety is great within me, or the cares of my heart are big and, and many. Your consolations cheer my soul. In other words, your consolation or the fact that God is with you and working for you brings me joy. That's what the NIV says. One of the things that happens is, is, is that we live in this world and, and we say, okay, I understand, I get it, that I should see the abundant life versus the destruction of life and I should find joy in that. But, you know, life is still hard. I still have problems. I still face things that bring me anxiety. Life is not fair. Sometimes life is because it is choices I make. But whatever's happening, I've got things I'm dealing with. What about joy then? Well, it's not that you're ever in denial about things happening. Nor is it that you have to walk around with this fake smile on your face all the time because you're a Christian. You don't, you know what I'm talking about. How you doing today? Life's perfect, but inside you're just like, you're crumbling, you're hurting, right? See, the Bible says, James 1, consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. Now, again, you read that and you go, if you really think about it, that makes no sense. Why would I consider it joy when I face things that test my faith? Now, again, this starts turning to big picture Christianity. Because the testing of your faith develops perseverance, right? That work of perseverance, it then produces completeness. It brings to your life a maturity that you would not have had if your faith was not tested. See, when I see the, the, the contrast of abundant life versus destruction, I also see that when my life is in trial, thank goodness I'm over here versus over here. Because over here, God is with me. And God is working for my good because I love him, right? 
I'm abiding in his love. Amen. Therefore, because of that, big picture Christianity says, even my trials produce good things in me. Wow. So I take it with joy. I, I can think about, I, I, if, I, if I sat down with a piece of paper and I started whatever point in my life writing down things that I would consider trials that I faced, and I'd make a list. I don't know how many things would be on there, but it'd be a handful of things. I would look at each one of those at the end of it and go, but boy, am I a better person because of that. Man, that grew me. You know what? That stunk. That was terrible. That wasn't fair. My goodness. That was big. Boo. But man, I made it on the other side. And, and wow, my perspective of life had changed. See, joy is there even in the midst of trials because we know that God's with us and he's for us and he's working for our good. He's not going to leave us alone. He's not going to forsake us. He's going to see us through. But not only see us through, but there's something in you that's going to happen because something is working and changed because of the trials that you face. So I count it joy. This is a tough moment, but I know something good is coming. Therefore, I receive it with joy. That's hard to do. It's not denying your trial, but it's big picture Christianity that God works even when it doesn't seem like he's there. Amen. Therefore, I receive what you want. That, that's why I'm thankful I'm over here because I got him. I'm with him. He's with me. I'm not trying to live life without him. This is God, creator of all things, powerful, sovereign. He's going to see me through. Therefore, at some point in my perspective, I receive this with joy because of what it's going to produce in my life. Talk about the fruit that shows that you're his disciple, that counts you as his. Some of that fruit comes from your life because of trial. You know that? Amen. That we're growing because of what is happening in our perspective. That's a second perspective. Here's a third perspective of why we can live this life in joy. Because I know the reward is coming, I believe. I believe that Jesus is coming and will judge the living and the dead. But I'm not fearful of the judgment because I'm in him. I've been forgiven. I'm in him. I'm by him. I'm for him. I'm not worried about the judgment to come. And I know at his return, there is eternal life, new heaven, new earth, resurrected body, that there is incredible reward for living this life now. Therefore, I have joy. Now, I'll be honest with you. This world concerns me. So I pray. This world concerns me. So I let my light shine in the best way I can. This world concerns me. So I share the gospel when I have opportunity. But this world does not steal my joy because I know the reward that is coming. Amen. And I live in the assurance that one day Jesus will finish the work that he started on the cross and in his resurrection. He will finish the work. That's my great hope. Now, see, 
I have hope in different things. I, I pray, so there, there's certain drawing of hope and faith that I believe for outcomes. But my great hope is not in certain outcomes of this world. My great hope is the return of Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. Therefore, I look towards that and count the joy that there will be a reward beyond my comprehension, beyond my understanding. In him is eternal life. Therefore, I count this life joy. Therefore, when I'm on the narrow road, I see the possibility of what life could have been. When I'm on the narrow road and I face trial, I'm still on the road. See, Jesus didn't ever promise it would be easy, but he gave you a way to go. You know that? You're not directionless. He's given you a way to go. So this morning, on our way to church, in our normal way of coming, there's like two different ways they block the road. I don't know why they're doing road construction, a bridge or something. I don't know. So we've been going different ways to get here to church. And we're coming down, we're actually going to end up in St. Paris, but there's a way you can cut over 29, I think, and, and cut that corner off. And when we cut the corner, I couldn't remember which road to turn right on to get back over, so I, I, I kind of was driving, popped in my GPS, and said, turn here, and, I, and all of a sudden, we're just kind of whining. I'm like, where are we going? And then we're on these back roads, like, your car is like, Pow, you know. And, and finally, I realized, I don't remember what, what town was it? Yeah, I put in 701 South Walnut Street in Fletcher. So it was like taking us over that way. And so I discovered our problem, and then we got to St. Paris and, and drove over. God doesn't do that to you. You see? You, you don't get in the wilderness like the Israelites because you were refusing to go to the promised land, and you got to wander around. Get on the road. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't leave you wandering. He doesn't take you all crazy places on a GPS. You're on the narrow road keeping in step with the Spirit. He's with you. Therefore, I know if I stay with him, he's going to see me through, even if I, face, if I face trial, even if it's times that are tough. I count it joy because the reward is coming. I'm staying in step with the Spirit. There's a reward for this life. Amen. And lastly, I have joy because I have Jesus. We could have put that number one and stopped right there. You know that? I have joy because I have Jesus. Let's, let's get a little uh, taste of, of Christmas here. Luke chapter 2. The birth of Jesus. Let's get a reminder of what was proclaimed about Jesus. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 10. It says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great what? Of great joy. And it's for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The greatest joy you can have in life is because you have Jesus, because he is the good news of great joy. And knowing him and following him will constantly bring that fullness of joy we start with because we're abiding in his love. 
great joy is found. It's produced in the life that we live. Amen. See, joy keeps you on the way because you are growing in realization that what you have is the greatest treasure you could ever find in your life. So my question to you today is, is Jesus today, no matter how long you've been following him, is Jesus today still the good news, the great joy of your life? Is Jesus still, is the kingdom still the greatest treasure you have ever found in your life? Then we receive it with joy, even joyfully giving up all that we have, all that we are in order to have it. Amen. One of the Christian fruits, marks, that show that we belong to him is joy. Amen. And it helps keep you on the way. It's long, long-term discipleship. So that, that's why, that's why I love the celebration of the saints when we come together. That's why we will, we will bear the burdens of your life, we will help, we will pray, but yet we will celebrate when God turns that problem into victory because that is the work of God. See, see the kingdom of God, is something I wrote down years ago, I was thinking about this. The kingdom of God will always be full of tears because people's lives are being changed and the enemy's being confronted. Old ways are being, are being transformed. There'll, there'll always be this working that can bring the tears. But the kingdom of God is also full of smiles and laughter and dancing because the joy of the work of God is happening also. And you always see both. You should see both. That, that there's a, a continual work of God in us in salvation. The church should be a house of salvation. The church should be a house of, of, of healing and freedom. And in those things, we see the work of God happening. But the result of the work of God is always smiles and laughter and dancing. That is why the very first miracle of Jesus was a wedding. He set the standard. This is the kingdom of God. And, and he, he wasn't he wasn't the old religious taskmaster that got mad when they were having fun and shut the wedding down. You guys are having too much fun here. He didn't, he didn't take the whip to the wedding. He took the whip to the temple. Right? Because the celebration of the wedding, the symbolism, as even Paul writes, the, the, the bride, Christ in the church. And we see the, the image and symbolism of the feasts of the kingdom, the feast of the marriage supper of the lamb in Revelation. And, and you have even, even Psalm, the, the Psalm of the great shepherd, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Always sending around a feast, a table, a gathering of joy. That's the kingdom. Matter of fact, Jesus went to that wedding, and the wedding would have been shut down because they ran out of wine, so he just makes more. Makes more. 
And we, we think of a wedding where, where you have your, your ceremony, then there's a reception that lasts for, no. Weddings then, they, they lasted days. That's why the, the symbolism of the wine being made so the, the wedding pro, prolonged in time. And it certainly was the, it was the wine of the kingdom, so the wine was better than the stuff they were serving before. Because the newness of life found in Jesus. It's a celebration. That the kingdom of God is an outworking of joy because we understand and we start to realize and we start to see the fulfillment of the work of God in a lost world. There's smiles, there's, there's laughter, there's dancing. Amen. That should, that should mark us. So I, I talk to the worship team. I say, you know, um, some, uh, somebody that's new that comes into the church, they, they won't readily identify with worship. But they'll readily identify with celebration. They, they identify with that faster, in other words. You know what I mean? There's something about celebration that, that people are drawn to. When your life and one of the fruit of your life is joy, in other words, it is an outworking of what God is up to right here and what you know he's up to in this world. In contrast with the lostness of it, there's something that's happening. There's a mark of the Christian life that people see. That even in your trial, even when things are hard, you don't put on the, the fake smiley face because you're a Christian, but there's an understanding, a big picture, that this is going to end in my benefit somehow, some way, because that's the work of God. Amen. That we live life with this understanding of what God is up to. That is why it's so important you understand what he's up to, not always worried about what you're up to. Because when you catch what he's up to, you start to see the goodness of new creation working its way, very subversively, often very quiet in this lost world. But we're in on it because it's happening right here. The kingdom of God is where? It's within you. It's at hand, right here. It's at hand. And we can live in it. I can't help when, when, now I understand it, a little to my benefit because I'm a morning person, but I can't help when I wake up, experience a new day, understand I'm going to give my day to Jesus, that there's just something about my day that has a good perspective. Why? Because of joy. You know, you know one of the things that helps stabilize you when life gets crazy? Joy. You know that? I understand. We still do this at times, but you may not go this far. Right? It's constant working with anxiety, uh, even, even some places of, of depression, these different kinds of things. Look, the joy of the Lord is kind of a buoy on your, on your life. And it helps things stay stable. Amen. I want that kind of joy to be made complete in me. I want to abide in him. So here's what I like to do. We, we got two baptisms. I got to talk to those couple people. But what I'd like to do to close out today is I'm going to pray. And if you feel like you have no joy, life is just a grind, life is anxious, life is whatever you want to put in there. Maybe it's just a general state of being. Maybe there's been a circumstance that, that you've come across, you feel stole your joy, whatever it is. We want to pray with you today before you go.
okay? So let me pray in general, but if that's you, when I close, please come down here. We want to pray with you. Then if, and if, I would love as a family of faith if you hang out for another 10, 12 minutes. I got to talk to a couple people. We're going to go outside and, and celebrate some baptisms today. Sound good? We want to do that as a family of faith. But, but I do want to pray with, with those of you that are just struggling with joy. Okay? All right, Lord, we thank you that you are our joy. We have you, Lord, and you are doing a work in us, Lord. And I know we face life. We, we face things, Lord, that, that attempts to steal those. Even the enemy works to steal our joy. I pray, Lord, that your joy is made complete in us. And we live in a way that we understand the work of God that is happening in each one of us and in this world. And we don't just see all the bad things, but we do notice the goodness of God making its way. I thank you for that. I thank you for saving us and giving us abundant life and giving us a road to be on. That we never take for granted the life that you've given us. For your glory, as it says in the scriptures, for your glorification, that we're living a life in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to dismiss you. Uh, go grab your kids. We'll get ready to go out there. But if you'd like prayer, please come down. We'd love to pray with you for a couple minutes.